The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome one. Welcome all. To the greatest show of them all. It is volume 110, a.k.a. 110 of the NFC East mixtape. You can listen to this show wherever you get your NFC East blog podcast across the SB Nation podcast network. You can also watch it on the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel or the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel. And if you do, you will see the um, the wonderful faces of myself, Arjo Cho from Blog of the Boys, and his self, Brandon Lee Gunn from Bleeding Green Nation. BLG, happy Wednesday for us and in a rare occurrence, the listener. Happy Wednesday, RJ, and thank you and thank the listeners for understanding that uh, not on our normal recording schedule. Thanks for your patience with us. RJ, for those not watching the YouTube version of this podcast, which you can check out at Blogging the Boys YouTube channel and Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel, is wearing the jersey of a team that just got uh, defeated, beaten by the Philadelphia Phillies in their most recent series together. So what an embarrassing look for him. Mm, that's true. Uh, the Phillies did win that series. Had their most the most important one. The Astros. <laughs> um, did you see um, the Nick Castellanos was complaining? Did you see this? This is a classic big loser energy thing. Uh, no. Did you see this? He was upset that the Astros mascot, whose name is Orbit, pretty lovable, you know, little dude, um, was like walking around with the like, you know mascot size world series ring wow um and he was like yeah we got the mascot rubbing it in our face why don't you chill out nick that's all i'm saying why don't you just chill out a little bit i did hear the ring in the face thing but i didn't know it was from the mascot i thought it was like the the, someone from the team like proper and actual human being was kind of doing that um i did like his catch his his home run catch uh that he robbed the astros of and and any kind of played it off as he didn't have it. I thought that's kind of fun. We should probably see some more of that in baseball and sports. That's kind of a fun thing. But anyway, uh, probably should talk about well, the actual. We have, we have to, we have to talk about the draft, but I do want I do want to ask you one thing. Because um, you mentioned right before we started uh, recording, mm-hmm. I mentioned it. You know, so this is Wednesday. And, and for the record, Brandon had something, which is why we had to change it. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, but so we never record on Wednesdays until today. So I said, happy Survivor Day. I never get to say that to you because we always record mm-hmm. on Tuesdays. And you said, yeah. You said, but I won't get to watch it because I'll be watching the Sixers game. Obviously, Sixers up one nothing. Um, so I have two questions for you. Number one, um, do you consider Sixers Celtics like a rivalry? Like, do you get up for that? Like, is it like, oh, a, yeah, you know, but it's, it's like a big deal for you. Like, like, like football that for me like is it cowboys eagles level or, or not quite it's similar that high? yeah okay it's similar i mean it's different because uh the sixers have had uh, or i should say the celtics have had the sixers number for a long time now so it's kind of taken some of the excitement out of it and more dread as opposed to like an evenly matched series um but uh very i, I just don't like boston sports as a whole in general I think it's a very haughty attitude up there. A lot of entitlement with all that winning. Um, and yeah, so anytime the Philly team can beat the Boston team, but especially, you know, more so Sixers Celtics, very exciting uh, going into game two tonight after Joel Embiid won MVP. So as he rightfully deserved it. So excited about that. And I also have a plug, RJ. How about that? Are you, are you ready for okay. that? Well, I have my right. second question, but get your plug in. 
Well, you know that some of the most dedicated listeners that we have to this podcast here are Holden and Elizabeth, my friends who I've shouted out before. And Holden is I my think very you know about friend. this. They have a famous internet famous and real life famous. Paul. Risk it all, Paul. Yes. Risk it all, Paul, on Instagram. His birthday party, RJ, is this Saturday in Philly. You can check him out on Instagram if you want to attend his birthday party, which I will also be attending. So come on out if you want to celebrate the best dog, my best friend, uh, man's best friend, if you will. Uh, on the internet, Risk it all, Paul. Details are, again, on his Instagram page. So check it out. Um, congratulations and a happy birthday. I don't know if it's early birthday or not to Paul, um, but um, very, very cool. Um well, I hate to take a nice moment and kind of be mean about it, but so serious question. Um, it is kind of a joke, but it's a serious thing. So Sixers look primed to make the finals. Like, what is the level of <laughs> nervousness? No, but like, what is the level of what is the level of nervousness if the Sixers make it to like not be the city that had right. three straight teams lose the title match and that oh. the Phillies lost the World Series, the Eagles lost the Super Bowl? Like, it's so like in the Union. My question: the Philadelphia Union. I'm, I'm, oh, that's true too. <laughs> that would be four. Um, so my, like, I, I know it sounds like a joke, but my question is like, do you think it would hurt more than it would normally hurt to like, have that just be like another kick? You know what I mean? Like, would it, would it make it like one big ball and collective hurt or, or, or do you not put them together? It's a good question. Uh, I think anyone would have to go into this. Unique. Like, expect- this, this doesn't happen a lot, but yeah, go ahead. You would have to expect to lose. <laughs> you would have to, you, just, you would have to expect that just because of how things have gone. Um, my expectations for the Sixers have been a lot lower than the Phillies or Eagles were at any point. I just feel like they had because they haven't even been able to ever get out of the second round. Like so, so I, I can't even believe that's going to happen until it happens. I wasn't gunning to believe they were going to win that game on Monday night until like the clock hit zero. I know they were up like four at the end. I'm like, I literally can't believe this will happen until I actually see the game officially over. And then it did, and I actually believed it. So. Um, it's going to be hard for me to believe they can. Although, if they get there and they match up against the Nuggets, let's say, I like their chances in that series. I'm not really the biggest Jokic believer and not the biggest Nuggets believer. Um, so I would like their chances in that matchup, and I really want that to happen. Um, but that feels very far away still. And I'm not even convinced they're going to get by Boston. I would love this. I mean, obviously. But it, it would truly be interesting like to see the sure. like phenomenon of, you know, your four most major sports teams in one area um, all losing the, not, not just like in the playoffs, but like in the title match uh, specifically. It's a the only thing that would kind of thing, right. The only thing that would make it like a teeny bit more interesting if it had been like the same sort of like matchup geographically, right? Like uh, the yeah. union loss was it to LAFC, right? So then mm-hmm. if like the Phillies had, well, they couldn't have lost the Dodgers, but you know, you know what I'm saying? Like if they had lost to like purely Los Angeles or something, um, mm-hmm. which by the way, I thought of, um something that i think probably grinds your gears i i think i i i think that i hate when teams in the same area don't refer to themselves as the same area so like if for example it was they were like the pennsylvania union or like the pennsylvania sixers like if you're based Mm. out of philly you should be the philly whatever you know what i'm saying like um like i'm a houston astros fans maybe i'm a little bit jaded there but like the texas rangers like why don't you want to be the dallas rangers or the arlington rangers like i I don't know what the story is there arizona cardinals yeah, like you should you should rep your city. You know what I'm saying? Like where you're from. Like, you know what I'm saying? Especially if there's two teams or multiple teams in your state, which is the case for a lot of the Philly teams or even the Rangers as far as baseball is concerned. Like if if you're not the only team in the state, you should rep like your geographical area. That's my take. I always think it's interesting how a lot of the cities aren't necessarily the capital cities. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the cities, a lot of like people Philly. who probably don't you know Philly familiar. is the capital. It's horrible. No, it's Harrisburg uh, for PA. But <laughs> who knows? Um, a, lot of people, from Harrisburg. a lot of people who probably aren't from, well, I, probably Americans too, because I don't know if Americans are always the best <laughs> in the country's geography, but a lot of people, certainly not from America, I would think would tend to think that the cities that the teams do play in are capital cities, but they're not for the most part, I would say, right? That That's probably fair to say. Yeah, like, um, what's, I mean, I don't even know if this like them. Um, what's the capital of? Oh, like the Bucks. The Bucks is a good one. Like you know, Tampa's not the capital, or Jacksonville, no. or Miami, for that matter. You have, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have three teams that do not play in the capital of Florida. Same thing with California, except for the Kings. That's true. Wow. Okay. Are you done? Right. Are we done with geography and other sports talk? 
I feel like this is way too long of an off-topic lead-in to such a big, monumental podcast. A lot of um, juice. It is our first post-draft podcast. Brandon was kind enough to curate all of the classes for us to discuss. Uh, we will be going in divisional order. As always, those are the rules here on the NFC East Mixtape. Brandon, correct me if I'm wrong. The Eagles made seven selections, not counting the trade for DeAndre Swift in the 2023 NFL draft. Um, so to quickly kind of fly through this, and what we're going to do here is just kind of overall assessment of each roster now, each draft class, whatever, and we're going to pick a draft pick that we are bummed that each team made. Um, mm. Obviously, I'll pick for the Eagles. You pick for the Cowboys. We can decide together for the Giants and the Commanders. Uh, but Eagles draft hall, Jalen Carter, um, Nolan Smith were the ones that kind of stole the show at the beginning and the you know Georgia North, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Tyler Steen, Sidney Brown, Keely Ringo added to the Georgia effect. Tanner McKee, uh, Moro Ohomo, hope I'm getting that correct. Um, and then the trade for DeAndre Swift. Am I missing anything else uh, as far as like notable notes for the Eagles during the draft? Uh, they also picked up a future fifth from the Bucks uh, okay. next year. They, they, how he turned two sevenths into a future fifth. So that's I saw that. Like, nope. but there was like a sequence, right? Like he, he, there was like a sixth round involvement, and then it was the like fifth round involvement or whatever. He turned two thirty and two forty eight into one ninety one, and then one ninety one into the Bucks, which could be a you know a decent fifth round pick, depending on how you think the Bucks are going to be next year. So that was kind of the other big thing I think from the class as a whole. Um, but. It's an exciting draft class. I was I was pretty excited after the first night, which you know whatever. Like you know, you look at the draft class as a whole. Sure, that all matters, but I mean, come on, like the first round is where the most juice is, and for the Eagles to get Jalen Carter, who we had the Eagles taking in our final uh, mock draft activity that we did here on the podcast, I felt like it wasn't super realistic that he was going to fall to ten. He didn't. They traded up one spot to get him. I'm totally okay with that move. Um, clearly, how he had to have some kind of inkling that other teams might want to trade up to that number nine pick. Uh, so why not? Why mess around? Just get your guy. Felt like the Eagles were uniquely qualified, as I previously said, to take a chance on Jalen Carter because of the combination of the security staff they have, the familiarity with Georgia players, the strong leadership I think they have, not only on the team. You look at a guy like Jalen Hurts, obviously, but also in the defensive line room with Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham being here for so long. So I like that. And then the guy who I wanted at 10, who I thought would be there, Nolan Smith, somehow makes it to 30. And I'm over the moon because I think that's an awesome pickup. I would have been very happy with him at number 10. To get him at 30 is just like unthinkable to me. Um, so I'm very excited about those picks. So, um, first of all, um, I want to just make a joke. I think the NFC East is obsessed with Jalen's because um, it was the Eagles thing, right? At first, it was was it Jalen Hurts, Jalen Rager, and Jalen Mills, right? All at once? Sure. Um, well, not at once, but... Well, not at once, but still, like, in recent history. Um, so, the Cowboys drafted Jalen Brooks in the seventh round, so that's a new Jalen. Um, and so, you know, Jalen is is kind of the, the hot name. Jalen Carter is obviously now, you know, one of the more marquee Jalens as far as uh, the NFC East is concerned. But the Eagles are like, they're Georgia North, they're Jalen North. You know what I mean? Um, I, I'm very intrigued why Nolan Smith fell. I, I haven't seen, like, a, an explicit reasoning for that. Um, the Jalen Carter stuff is really obvious. Um, I think like even if it didn't work out um and it might not it might whatever but like this was the house money pick right like like that's the you know this was the pick that you got you know from the saints and everything and the wins and all that stuff like you know if you were gonna play the lotto with with one of these like premium assets and i'm not even saying that that's what this is but like this was the one to do it with and so um i think that the lions were probably the inflection point the lions not taking them i know a lot of people thought that the seahawks would uh but Man, the Lions had such a bad draft, dude. And, and our friend Jamie Reisman is down so bad about it. It's just it's very tough polarizing scene. draft at the very least. It's a tough scene for Jeremy. But um, yeah, I so you and I were texting about this with uh, with our friend Stats. And I, what I'm about to say is like not at all disrespectful. I, the, C-O-P-E, cope, cope, cope. No, like I just don't. Um, I think, I think that what you tweeted, um, that, that Peter Schrager said about other general managers like getting upset about Hire Roseman is really funny because it you know if you're upset then then work harder you know what I mean like that would be my take but I do think it's I don't give Howie as much props for things like that as much well, as I, I jump do in here real quick because this kind of goes to your point what you're about to say it, it's well then shouldn't related. I make my point so you can well, it's, like it's directly related but okay I'll wait till you're done so like my point is like I don't give Howie credit for like you know Nolan Smith falls to you and just 
picking him with your pick. Like I so I suppose you can give him like some credit for trading up for Jalen Carter if he sensed or knew or whatever that somebody else was interested in getting up to nine, right? So like that involves some level of aggression on his part. The Nolan Smith thing, he just sat there, right? Like and like he, he could have like set auto draft, you know what I'm saying? And like just well, Nolan Smith and then like walked away. And I'm not saying that's what he did, but I give him credit for things like DeAndre Swift. I give him credit for and I, I would even go things before this. I gave him credit for at the time, you know, Torrey Smith or uh, Nelson Aguilar or uh, Jay Ajayi, like those are the things that I think he deserves like discernible credit for. Like th- this is, you know, okay, two really good football players fell to him and he took them. You know what I mean? I Again, I, he moved up for the Jalen Carter thing, but that's my only thing is like, how did Howie do this? Like how did Howie have this, all, all the other teams pass on him? So that's my only point. Uh, so Schrager kind of clarified his point and he said that maybe it was more about uh teams thinking the eagles draft as a whole was getting too much credit so that kind of speaks to what you're saying there um just to make that distinction i mean i don't think that's totally fair with the nolan smith thing because he could have traded up he he could have been like this guy's fallen i need to trade up and take him he didn't he read the situation that's fair to give him credit for standing pat and and being firm in being patient because not a lot of teams would have that's fair point and i think some of that is luck but i think some of that is skill and having an idea of our team's hot for a certain player or like what's this guy's market and i've consistently said over time even when i've been most critical of howie in the past that like one thing i've never ripped him for is kind of like understanding value and knowing what other teams are kind of gonna do that's he's always he clearly has like great connections and has an understanding of the market and other teams intentions that's been consistent throughout um so I think the ability to sit there and have confidence in that and get him, I think he does deserve some props for that because he didn't have to give up extra draft capital. I think that is smart. Um, I get what you're saying, but uh, across the board, I think a common theme through this Eagles draft, and you look at how their picks that were made versus the consensus big board ranking uh, that's put together each year by Arif Hassan for Pro Football Network, which combines like 70 different draft boards and just because you draft a player um, and the consensus is lower or higher, it's not like gospel, but it's worth looking at and kind of thinking about. And for the most part, other than the Eagles day two picks, Eagles picked like way, way uh, above, or I should say under consensus in a good way. They picked so like Jalen Carter, he was the ninth consensus. They got good value relative, good value relative to consensus. He was the ninth selection, but he was third on the consensus big board. Nolan Smith, 30th overall pick, 18th on the consensus big board. Uh, it doesn't mean these guys will be amazing. The draft, you know, there's a million different ways these things can play out. But I think you have to go back to the 2020 NFL draft, like you just talked about with the Eagles getting Jalen's, and look at how they overthought it with the Jalen Rager pick. Like Justin sure. Jefferson's on the board. And that's, again, that's a it's not a hindsight analysis thing. It is and that's what's important going into the drafts and grading them you have you only have certain information available to you at the time and at the time you knew justin deverson was this amazing player for the national championship winning team maybe like which is why which is why the vikings laughed in that video and blah 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 blah. sure as opposed to the guy that you're taking because well actually his quarterback wasn't any good so let's take him like maybe the one bet is better than the other so I think the Eagles kind of learned a lesson from that, how he learned a lesson. And in the past, and that's been my criticism too, even when I've been critical of him, it's not that I think like how he is dumb and doesn't know what he's doing. It's that he outsmarts himself. And I think when you look at how the Eagles draft approach here differently, I don't think they outsmarted themselves. I think they looked at the consensus and they made a lot of reasonable picks, good picks, I would say. Um, you know, you look at Keely Ringo, 38th overall on the consensus big board. They got him at 105. Obviously, they had to give up a future third for him. But, like, I don't know. I'm pretty excited about this class. I think they made really good good bets, good value picks. And I think it's like an A-plus draft. I think, I mean, there are very few ways, if any, that you can quibble with it. I mean, maybe if you're, like, stretching, you're like, well, I don't love the idea of having basically the entire Georgia defensive front, you know, on one NFL team. But, I mean, good players are players. You know what I but mean? But why like, not? At the end why not? Like, why not just draft I mean, the best well, players it, from the best school? I, I mean, I agree. It's just it's a little strange and weird. And so, like, it's unconventional in that sense. And so it, it makes people feel like it's different. I mean, that again, like – Look, it, it was a very good draft. All, like, my only thing, and again, it wasn't said with any level of cope. It was just, like, 
I give him credit for the the creative things he does. I don't. I think there's less creativity involved with taking a player that fell to you. Even the Ringo pick involved some level of creativity that on the surface appears more creative than, say, the Smith pick because he did just sit there. Now, to your point, there could be some creativity in being patient, reading the room, mm-hmm. reading his phone calls, his text messages, whatever the case may be. Uh, it was a very good draft. I mean, all I'll say is, like, this is very interesting to see the Eagles get, like, this elevated whatever like i'm i'm very anxious to see how nfl teams like attack the eagles I, I, and i say that like it, it are do people want to come for howie now you know what i mean like is the target bigger on philly's back i know that's a lame way to put it but i'm i'm really interested to see how how philly handles being the hunted you know when it is such like it's been such an underdog story for a long time um the swift trade is something you brought up that you actually do think howie deserves me like more credit for relative to this picking I mean, values the, also because of like to me it's like and i think bagging on a team for taking a running back in the first round in a vacuum is unfair um there are necessary pieces of context i think for the situations um i find Bijan to atlanta to be really boring i wanted Bijan to go somewhere that was like riveting from a story standpoint like it's just did you see he's gonna wear number seven by the way oh that's terrible it's interesting on a running back, but it's obviously like the number in Atlanta. It's like the holy number in Atlanta. You know? Right. So that's, I'm, no, I'm very that's not a good look. Um, uh, I, and I guess they're, I guess they're taking it from Youngway Koo. I don't know what's going on there, but anyway. Um, so that being said, like I brought up Swift. Okay, so I wanted to get to that. Well, that well, just that's my point. Like the Lions draft Jameer Gibbs in the first round. Okay, cool. So you're going to be the team that takes a running back in the first round, and then you're literally going to prove by trading DeAndre Swift how the value of that position doesn't exist. And so like, I give (laughs) Howie credit for like pouncing on that in the moment. And actually in a weird way, I almost don't give him any credit because all the tweets I saw Saturday morning were like, Howie, you know what to do. Like DeAndre Swift is on the trade block, go get him. So like, it was very predictable, but I do give him credit for executing it. I actually was talking to my Detroit Lions friend, uh, his name is Alex Reno, writes for Pride of Detroit, part of Jeremy Reisman's staff there. Like that morning, we we're like probably like an hour before the trade happened about like, hey, so do you, what do we think here? Like, what would this kind of look like if it happened? And I said, I would give up at most like a six that could turn into a fifth. So I think the Eagles actually overpaid a little bit because they gave up. I know it's in 2025, but that doesn't matter to me. I like future picks still count the same to me like, i'm not like oh it's less value because it's a couple years away or more value whatever um no like to give up a fourth round pick in 2025 for a guy who might only be here for one season last year of his rookie contract and has had some injury issues and i think is probably a little bit overrated relative to what the general public thinks of him in part because he's of like some, big, he's got some name value like some fantasy name value relevant fantasy yeah, yeah. And that's not, I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying, I think he's a, a scout. Like, I think some of the reaction to the Swift trade was like, oh, this is a home run, total steal. How he does it again. Like, that wasn't my reaction. I think it's a good move, a worthwhile move. I don't think it's an A plus kind of move. I think it's more like a B minus kind of move. Um, so I'm fine with it. But like, I think it got a little too much praise. Uh, they got like Chauncey Gardner Johnson last year for less. <laughs> like, I, I thought that was a better it's move. It's notable because, and again, like, that's why it's ironic for me that it's the Lions because it shows how how you can find a, a starting caliber running back for pennies on the dollar, so to speak. So like, that's the and part that I think penny on the dollar. Price. Right. That's true too. Um, but like I would say, and I think this is fair. So the three veterans we've seen NFC East teams trade for, unless I'm forgetting a giants or commanders trade uh, for veteran, but are Stefan Gilmore, Brandon cooks well, and Deandre Swift, Darren Waller. Oh, it's right. It's, okay. So of the four, I can't believe I forgot Darren Waller. Of the four, I think the least impressive is DeAndre Swift. And that's not like a slight. I just, you know, because of what you said and how you outlined it, some of it's the position he plays, et cetera, et cetera. But um, so, again, I'm not saying it's a loser trade. I just sat here and gave him props for it. But it's not as impactful as the others, but just by nature. You just put it in context. Um, the last thing I want to say in the Eagles draft is that I know they gave away some future picks in this draft in 2025, as I just mentioned. But they still have, like, plenty of ammo moving forward. They have two second-round picks next year thanks to the extra one from the saints they're projected to get a third round comp pick for losing hargrave and if they lose brian johnson their offensive coordinator who as i think you know got like a lot of oc buzz this year so if the eagles have another good offensive season could conceivably you know be in the head coaching market um they would get it another three for him um they have multiple fists i just mentioned the one they got from the the bucks also have one from the vikings two comp picks on the way um and then two six as well so like, even though they gave up ammo, they still have 
a good amount to work with in future years. And I want to note that for every team. I'm not just doing that with them. We're going to also bring up the 2024 pick situation for every team. Because I think that's part of it. Obviously, like if you trade away future ammo and you have a great draft this year, but you're, you know, um, emptying the cupboard next year, that's worth noting. So a last couple of quick hitting things for me, and then I'll pick the player that I'm like most bummed that Philly got. Mm -hmm. Um, One, um, I do think a layer of the Swift trade that like now it's like, um, I think of stats all the time when people do this to different people because people, I think we all had like a, a an annoyance period with Patrick Mahomes. Well, you're probably still there for obvious reasons, but like, um, and, and stats really, said something not like Mahomes, I mean, whatever was, to me, indifferent. Right, right. But so stats said something. Um, it was like right before the 21 season. Uh, and remember, they had that really rough start, you know, the Chiefs did um, early on. Remember, that was when he like the beginning games is when he got hurt against Tennessee mm-hmm. and they lost to the Chargers and all that stuff. And there were all these people like that was all the like super cutesy, never lost in September, you know, type of things. And I remember Stat saying, we don't have to invent more reasons why Mahomes is awesome, right? Like we, we can all just like admit and accept like he's awesome. And so like, there's a little bit of that happening with Howie in the sense, like I saw a lot of like, oh, well, and then he's going to get a comp pick for DeAndre Swift. Well, no, we're all admitting that like nobody's paying running backs. So, <laughs> right. So like, so it's not like he like he's going to do this and then somebody's going to pay DeAndre Swift. Like you can just say it's a really good trade. It was really smart. It was really wise without trying to add the non-existing thing to it. Does that make sense? I hate the comp pick thing. There's just so many variables that go into that. That's not a certainty. Cause like, even if he does get a good contract, like the Eagles could sign some players and it cancels and, out and it like just, counterbalance. Yeah. That's you, you can bring that um, up as like, Oh, it might happen. But like to be counting on it in any way is just dumb to me. You can't, it, it's not something you count on. It's it's something like that could happen, but it's, it's not like you, you bank on that. Um, okay. Well said. I agree with that. Um, I forgot all my other, which things. pick can... is the pick that you dislike or, or most what's the framing you put in like you you hate um, the most i was gonna say did. like most bummed about so like most bothered most fearful of most worried about pick one whatever you want to say um i'm not gonna say jalen carter just because that was sort of predictable like in in a weird way you know what i mean like there were lots of mm-hmm. mocks that had philly taken him at 10 not even at nine and so um that was foreseeable to some degree. So I'm going to say Nolan Smith. I don't think any yeah. of us saw a world where that was going to happen. Um, I thought about going Ringo, but I, I know that there are like concerns about that. So like, I, I like when that pick happened, I know there was the trade up. I wasn't like, Oh man, but it, it was this, like as Nolan Smith was falling, it was like, Oh, of course. Like that, like, you know, that was the more annoying one uh, to me in my experience. There's also a scenario like the Cowboys passed on him. So if he ends up being like really good and the Cowboys first round pick ends up being like not or fine, then there's going to be that like, oh, we should have taken him kind of angle to there's there's potential for that. Whereas opposed to like Jalen Carter is awesome. It's not like, oh, well, so we couldn't have had him anyway. I was going to say, if I have to pick an answer for one I'm most excited about, it is Nolan because he was my guy. I think he's going to be really good. I'm very excited to watch him play. I think Carter has potential to be great, but like Nolan Smith was just like my guy. So I'm really, really excited about that. So we have the same sort of vibes here about this pick, honestly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, do you want to start the Dallas Cowboys portion of the discussion? Well, the Dallas Cowboys drafted a 25-year-old tight end in the second round. <laughs> so that's my favorite bit that I'm going to hang on to for a long time. Um, but I thought the first round was interesting and related to that second round pick because it seemed to me that um, – if I'm not mistaken, because I was losing some of this because, you know, I'm writing and the Eagles are coming up on the clock here. Didn't the Cowboys potentially get sniped a little bit with the Bills coming up for Dalton Kincaid? It depends on what you believe. By the way, um, there's a Micah Parsons thing that we're going to have to discuss here in a moment. Oh, um, I it's, forgot it's, about no, that. It's, no, it's oh, not not what you're talking about. Um, well, he did say he this, this is not, was this really is not upset what you're thinking. by the Eagles not, first round pick. But, but it's still not what you're thinking. But um it depends on what you believe. Like all of the Bills reports are that they knew that Dallas was going to take Dalton Kincaid at 26 and all the Cowboys reports are that they had no interest in taking Dalton Kincaid. I will say, um, look, I've, I've been doing this for a long time. I, I would like to think I know the pulse of, of the Cowboys very well. And generally speaking, you can telegraph what they're going to do in the draft. Like for, they are, they almost use their pre-draft press conference as an opportunity to kind of lay all their cards out on the table last year, after the first round, they literally laid all of their cards out on the table when Jerry Jones flashed the, um, their, their board. Um, And so, you know, they, they were talking tight end the whole run up to the draft. They wanted a tight end, wanted a tight end. They spent a second round pick on one. So like that was true to a certain degree, but 
all of their like public you know sort of admissions or, or leaks or reports or whatever like didn't wind up being true you know like they seem to have gotten better at either throwing people off the scent like if you want to go really far and extend a lot of grace or just not being public with their wants and wishes um so or they didn't in, get what they wanted and wished I, well i'm the entire draft, like I, I'm inclined to believe because especially Mike McCarthy is somebody who has opposed that nature of the Cowboys. I'm inclined to believe that they've just matured <laughs> and that they've, you know, they've well, learned you're that, inclined to think that, well, but like the, I think the results bear that out. Like they have been a lot better about not admitting when they're going to do a lot of things. They've been very quiet. They've been very methodical. Again, I'm not saying they've won the Super Bowl or anything like that, but that part of who they are has changed significantly since Mike McCarthy took over three years ago. So they draft Mozzie Smith. He has half a sack in 30 games in college. Now people are going to be like, oh, you know, certain role, that's how he's used. Still half a sack in 30 games. Uh, he was the 49th consensus prospect on the big board as opposed to where he was taken at 26. I was reading a scouting guide uh, at the draft party. I was at, at Stolas Del Sur, the R-Lads draft guide, and I looked up Mozzie Smith and under under his profile there were concerns about pass rush so that's worth noting obviously i think the book on him is more of a stout very good run defender i guess the thing that bothered me the most about this pick taking the dalton kincaid angle out of it because we don't know for sure but what we do know for sure is the process apparently that went into this selection because we saw the cowboys deciding uh with that video that was put out there and i believe it was will mcclay who was kind of talking about the process of why they should take Mozzie Smith over the offensive lineman they were considering, which was that Matt Bergeron for sure. That's the reported name. Uh, okay. Like they, they didn't admit that, but that is the reported name. And I think what bothered me about this, like the process making selection, if I was interested in the Cowboys best entrance, which I'm not, uh, was that he was like, well, this can kind of help us more now. And I don't love that logic being used for a first round draft pick, because I think that's how you can get into a position where you're making mistakes. Not to say that uh, the short term is irrelevant to making picks, but if it is prioritized, I don't love that. And looking back to Cowboys drafts in the past, I actually think some of their best selections have been when they have not gone for the immediate need and have done something like taking CD lamb, where it was like, well, the Cowboys don't need another wide receiver, but it's freaking CD lamb. So take him because he's on the board. He's a great player. So I kind of, struggle to believe that Mozzie Smith was truly the kind of best available talent on the board, especially because I like Nolan Smith so much. Um, and I feel like it's not like a disaster pick for the Cowboys, but I feel like it's not the optimal one. So I don't believe that he was the highest rated player on their board. And I think the idea that every team always forever and ever and ever drafts, you know, the best player available is a little bit of mystique. Right. Like you can't like you can't just say like, oh, I'll take like because you could make an argument that Will Levis was the best player available on the board. Right. For a lot of teams, maybe mm -hmm. even the Eagles when they took Nolan Smith. Right. Like that's just based on their like, you know, evaluations independent of positions. And so, you know, there there is on some level um, a factor of need. Now, what I do know, I mean, just from what we've seen is the Cowboys have gotten gashed in the running game and they have made very conscious efforts towards fixing that. Um, everybody made a big deal about how the Cowboys, and I don't know if you knew this or not, hadn't taken a defensive tackle in the first round since 1981 when they took Russell Maryland number one overall. Now you can quibble about that when they took Marcus Spears in 2005 because he played some defensive tackle, but right. you know, whatever. Uh, but anyway, um, so that that's been their bugaboo. And I think, you know, I actually talked about this uh, with friend of ETB, John owning uh, from PFF, that episode will go out on our feed on Thursday. Um, he went really deep on Mozzie Smith and, and what he offers, but we, he and I talked about the Eagles game that the Cowboys played and, and how they kind of exposed how to not just beat Micah Parsons, but beat the Cowboys by running the ball. And the Micah Parsons thing I brought up right now, um, I just saw a tweet from Clarence Hill Jr. of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Micah is not participating in the Cowboys offseason program. He's working out in Austin, adding bulk and weight to be a full-time defensive end next mm. season. Um, so that's a significant development. Not that that's, like, shocking, but, like, if, if it's being said out loud, you know, that's a significant thing. Um, so that being said, I mean, you can have the best pass rushers in the world, but if teams aren't afraid of that, like, they're just going to run the ball. And we saw that with the Cowboys, not just with the Eagles. Do you know, and I brought this up on our live show, do you know how many passes Aaron Rodgers completed when the Packers beat them? Remember, the, the Packers came back down 14 points in the fourth quarter. 
Like 22? 14. Hmm. I mean, they, but they ran the ball at will because they mm -hmm. could. And, and you know, Leighton Vander Esch has proved to be really important to the Cowboys' run defense, but it was the midseason trade for Jonathan Hankins that really shored that up. Um, and they re-signed Jonathan Hankins, but this this appears to be that. And it's not just the the Mozzie pick, I think, that that indicates how much the Cowboys want to attack their porous run defense. It's the DeMarvion Overshone pick in the third round. It's the Junior Fajoko pick in the in the fourth round. I mean, they very clearly are tired of getting run over. And it wasn't even the Eagles or, or Packers, I think, that kind of exposed that to them. It was the Niners. They got destroyed by the Niners in the wild card round um, two year, two seasons ago, if you want to look at it that way, and then couldn't handle them, you know what I mean, in the divisional round of the playoffs. They, they, you know, we we all acknowledge Trayvon Diggs is very good. Stephon Gilmore is very good. But if you can't stop anybody on the ground, like, you're going to lose those games, you know, 10 out of 10 times. And so was it uh, a combination of he's a really good player, we really like him, he was a 30 visit, um, and he fits a position that we want to improve upon, then yeah. And I thought what Will McClay said made sense in that the Cowboys have not had the opportunity. That, that, you know, we talk about them passing on defensive tackles in the first round, but they haven't had one that they graded that highly available to them when they've been on the clock in the first round. So it was just kind of a perfect storm of things that made sense in that way. Well, my question for you is because, you know, you would say that what is your opinion when you're not emotionally compromised, like these picks are made. And obviously, you know, you're, I'm not saying this, that you're just doing this. Every fan of every team is like logicking themselves into the picks that were made after the fact. Cause that's what you do. And you want to make sense of it. Um, how does what you just said now, this big emphasis on run defense, everything. And you would know better than me. How, how does that compare to the pre-draft discourse? Does that line up? How would you feel if you knew Mozzie Smith, and Loon Shoemaker, or like, did, did you want those guys to be the pick like re anywhere realistically? So I wasn't in on the Mozzie thing, but I mentioned John um, and the episode I recorded with him. I highly respect John's opinion. He was somebody who for months has been screaming Mozzie Smith at 26, Mozzie Smith at 26, mm -hmm. please. And like, you know, we had heard all the names and the tight ends and things like that, but like that, I think there was a contingent of people who, who viewed that. And I think, you know, I do know that going into the draft, we identified left guard and defensive tackle as the top needs of the team. And I mean, and to contextualize the need at defensive tackle, when they re-signed Jonathan Hankins, we threw a parade. When Carlos Watkins left for the Arizona Cardinals, who should be the, I guess, the Phoenix Cardinals is our point. Um, we were like slightly bummed, you know what I mean? Because it was like, oh no, we lost Carlos Watkins. But like, you know, we the Cowboys have not invested in that way. And I'm not saying all these players are the same thing or that Mozzie is any of them, but he, and I, I know he's not who he once was, but like, look at what Fletcher Cox did for the Eagles when he was playing at his prime. The Aaron Donald thing is very obvious. Now, I mean, again, like Chris Jones, like if, if you don't, you know, Chris Jones isn't Aaron Donald, but like that presence really alters what you're able to do as a defensive front. And if you do have stout pass rushers on the outside, now a full-time pass rusher, Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, Dorrance Armstrong, Sam Williams. I mean, like that that's, that that has been where they have not been able to handle things and losing Leighton Vanderish really hurt them last year. But I mean, to, to have that short up really does. I, I, I trust the, the direction that Dan Quinn wants to lean in. They've built their defense a number of different ways, but they've always ignored this spot. So the logic to me definitely stands up. It's just, it blows my mind that Luke Shoemaker is going to be 25. Like that's just, it's crazy. He is three years, eight months and 17 days older than Keely Ringo. Like that's, that's just very crazy to me. And it's why like, would you what? look that specifically at? Like, because Keeley's really young. He's only twenty. He doesn't turn twenty-one until June. But why would you look up the exact days that separate them? Because I was curious, and it makes for good content on Twitter. Sound, sounds, <laughs> um, like, sounds like rent-free to me. Can I so. get to my pick that I dislike for the Eagles' sake? I did want to say on the Luke Schoon, it's Schoonmaker, just so we're all aware. Here. Okay, Schoonmaker. Um, yeah, um, I think we both respect Matt Waldman's analysis. Um, sure. and, and this really kind of surprised me because like the, the names at tight end we heard obviously were Kincaid and Michael Mayer uh, and Darnell Washington, right? Like those were all the different names and blah, 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 blah. Luke Schoomaker was Matt Waldman's number two tight end. And that mm -hmm. like really surprised me when I, I mean, you know, I had kind of missed that. Um, obviously, there are a lot of athletic traits there that, that differentiate him, at least from the current Cowboys tight ends. Like he, he is somewhat of a type for the Cowboys, but he's also not like, again, I think people look at him and see the same thing or they make the joke about his age, but like, he really is like an athlete at that position, which is what they've needed for a long time. And this is something else that John brought up. So I don't mean to just ruin that episode, but like Mike McCarthy 
people act like all Kellen Moore ever did was just call like curl routes and drags and things like that. But like Mike McCarthy is going to utilize these dudes over the field a lot more running all sorts of slants and things like that. At least that's what he's done historically. And so an athlete like Luke Schoonmaker figures to work well in a system like that. So it is exciting. They did have that need and they got it, which is exciting. Um, Versus the consensus. He was taken 58th. He was the hundredth overall consensus prospect. I, think a common theme with these first two picks here between Mozzie Smith and Schoonmaker is again, this idea they that both like, went to Michigan. We need, well, that too, but also guys like we need now to help us now. And I, I just don't, I, again, I can't say that there's no value in that. There obviously is value in that. And that, look, the NFC seems pretty wide open, at least relative to the uh, AFC. So I get that. And the Cowboys are in this stage where they want to win now, but like you have to balance it. There has to be some kind of balance in the draft. You can't make only like win now moves in the draft. I think that's a recipe for failure unless you're like, you're really just hitting on all these picks. I think you have to have some kind of eye to the future, some kind of value of upside. And I just wonder how much value of upside a 25 year old tight end has. So um, that's where my criticism is. Are you ready for the pick? If I it's Deuce Vaughn, then that's incredibly chalk. But who is it? It is, but it's but honestly, it is. And he is the only player from the Cowboys draft who has actually taken where uh it was a good value relative to consensus. Everyone else was taken like significantly overslotted, except for uh Overshone, who was like 14 picks uh where above, and then you have uh what's it, Asim As- Asim. 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 Richards, which was he was similar ish, but like Eric Scott wasn't even ranked on the top 300. Jalen Brooks wasn't ranked on the that top was 300. the that was the really weird pick was the Eric Scott one. And um, it's not listed in your notes, but they traded up to do that. Mm. So you talked about future capital. Oh, they, tra- yeah. they traded their uh, fifth round pick in 2024 right. to move up to the top pick in the sixth round for him. For a guy who wasn't like on the top 300 consensus. Just, like- just so you're aware. um and I really don't know. So this isn't like a gotcha moment. But so he's listed as having run a 4-7-140, which is obviously pretty gross for a corner. Um, mm-hmm. The story that, you know, is being told is that he pulled his quad while running it and that he sent the Cowboys evidence of running a much faster one. So, I mean, look, I'm just relaying the information to you. You can take with it what you want. But that's yeah. that's the story. They He was a 30 visit of theirs. Um, so, you know, they, they vetted him, they checked him out. They clearly feel very comfortable with him. What I do wonder about that, this is something we've discussed is like, where does he fit at corner? Because so you've got, I mean, like they say they carry six, right? They've got Trayvon Diggs, Stefan Gilmore, Deron Bland. Those are their starting three corners. They've got Kelvin Joseph, who is a third year, second round pick. They've got Nashawn Wright, who's a third year, third round pick. And then you've got Jordan Lewis, who has been your slot guy up until this past year. So like that's six guys right there. Like, and you traded up for this dude. So like, how are you getting him onto the roster right now? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's my question, but that that will be answered over the coming months, obviously. But so, so your point, your point on Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, Deuce Vaughn. He was actually one of the five sleepers that are you familiar with Ray Didinger, like Hall of Fame, like you know, mm-hmm. legendary sports writer, uh, especially based in Philly. Here, he did a list for Bleeding Green Nation of his top th- uh, five sleepers. The Eagles got one of those players in Moro Ojomo. And Deuce Vaughn was also on that list. He was someone I liked. Uh, I think for the Cowboys, he kind of gives you some level of not a one for one, but some kind of Tony Pollard insurance, especially since he's going to be on the tag this year. Right. Did they didn't extend Pollard, did they? No, he's still on the tag, but okay. he did. He did sign the tag, unlike right. Saquon, at least at this point. So. so you have some insurance there. I like the thinking. I think he was good value. He was the 212th selection. He was 170 on the big board. So I thought that was a really, was probably, I think it was the Cowboys' best pick. I think it's a contrast to what the Eagles did. And, you know, we'll see how it plays out. I'm not saying just because they took players under consensus, it's a disaster. But relative to the Eagles, who they were all like great value picks, except for the Deuce Vaughn pick, all the Cowboys picks were bad value picks. The Deuce Vaughn thing, um, everybody saw. I know, even if you're an Eagles fan, I think you have to think that was super cool how his dad got to call him. Um, it's just a really cool thing. He handled, you know, the process really professionally, uh, would leave the room when they would discuss him, you know, in the pre-draft process, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, because how could he, you know, how could he talk about it? I mean, what if sucks. he like didn't like his son? Like, this dude sucks. Uh, <laughs> but um, <laughs> he he has been an incredibly productive running back um, and has used his size to his advantage, obviously, in terms of hiding the, the easy comp is Darren Sproles, who annoyed me greatly when he was a, a member of the Eagles. Um, and, and so the Kansas State. Right. Exactly. Um, and so 
it's he's really 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 exciting and i think the cowboys have we haven't done our all nfc east team yet that'll be something we do in the mm. coming months i think tony pollard is probably the best running back in the division um i think the cowboys have the best running back room in the division if we extend it that way like the kind of one-two punch um so if it wasn't tony Pollard's alone i, I think tony Pollard and deuce vaughn is a really interesting fun combination what i really like too is we said a lot not you and i but like cowboys fans after the playoff loss was that they had to get more explosive on offense and uh, to a certain degree, Luke Schoonmaker is a more explosive option at tight end. And they have now added another dynamic player in the backfield in Deuce Vaughn. Another player that a lot of people like, um, I know we're talking draft picks, but Hunter Lepke um, at North Dakota State. Um, the Cowboys brought in as an undrafted free agent fullback. So they, they do have all these like options and dudes who can work under the backfield now in different capacities. Um, but yeah, the Deuce Vaughn thing is really exciting. Did you see what number he's wearing? I know you do your number no. analytics thing. Um, he is going to be wearing number 42. There aren't a lot of options available. I kind of like it, though. And I, it probably won't stick, but I kind of like it a lot. Sproles wore 43, as mm-hmm. people may remember. So, yeah, for a pass-catching kind of uh, different style running back, not a, a, a you know, like a, a bell cow guy, I do not hate 42. Um, back to the corner thing, if the Cowboys are in love with Eric Scott Jr. or whatever, and they do move on from Jordan Lewis, he wears number two. It feels like that has to be deuces. If mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, he your name is deuce. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> you've, you've got to wear number two. Um, and he's obviously not wearing 22 for the Cowboys, but um, okay. So we're going to fly through the giants. Real quick and- on the Jersey number thing. How do you, I want you to get your take on this Moro Ojomo. He has five O's in his last name. What if he wore number zero for the Eagles? Um, well, he, no, sorry. What if he wore double zero? Then I can get on board. Yeah. With it. Um, but okay. Um, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Welcome back. While we were gone, Brandon, you told me what your favorite flavor of cake frosting is. Would you tell the rest of the audience? What kind of cake frostings are there? There's chocolate, there's vanilla, there's strawberry, raspberry. Buttercream, I guess you could put in there too, yeah. right? Um, go chocolate. That's lame. But whatever. What are you going to pick? Um, I like a good chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> What the heck is this? Uh, I think cake is kind of boring, though, especially like dry. I, it, has to, it better be some kind of like, I, I know people don't like this word, but moist cake. You know, like I can't be dried out. I, I hate that. I think it's the worst. Um, I'm newer to the uh, the cheesecake game. I don't think you can call it a cheesecake. I think it's a cheese pie. Like it's it's, it's, oh it's not gosh. a it's not a cake in in texture. It's a pie. You know, it has a crust. Cakes don't have crust. So it's awful. Um, All right. Anyway. So the New York Football Giants. I, so th- this is their whole class. We didn't list the whole class for the Cowboys, by the way, but we kind of touched on every pick. Mm. But so the Giants class, Deontay Banks, John Michael Schmitz, Jalen Hyatt, uh, which there was a take floating around about as well, related to the Cowboys, Eric Gray, Trey Hawkins III, Jordan Riley, and Javarius Owens. Mm-hmm. So all of these picks, or I should say the first four picks, were good values relative to consensus. Banks taken at 24th. Giants traded up for him, right? not mistaken yes they traded up one pick for him um and he, then traded out of the yeah because they moved because the the 25th pick was theirs originally yeah they moved with jacksonville and then jacksonville moved again so that that 25th pick went from new york to jacksonville to buffalo uh banks taken at 24th his value 22nd john michael schmitz who we had for the giants in our in the second round i believe of our mock draft for the giants last week uh, he goes at 57. He was 39th overall. Dylan Hyatt was 42nd. Uh, a lot of people terms- thought he would be the first receiver taken this year, you know, once upon a time. You know what I mean? Like, not recently, but, you know, he had a lot of potential early on. He was taken at 73. And then Eric Gray was 172. He was ranked at 141st. The, the, the last two picks, and these were late in the seventh round or like later in the draft. Uh, Trey Hawkins, unranked. Jordan Riley, unranked. And then Javarius Owens was at 254. He was taken. Uh, he was taken at 254. He was ranked 242nd. I think overall, uh, Giants did a nice job. Their 2024 picks are all intact there. They didn't really borrow from the future. Um, uh, they, the Banks pick, I'm interested. I, I like the player. Uh, I just, I guess I didn't necessarily expect them to go cornerback that early. And then they drafted another one later. So that's clearly a position uh, they're trying to attack there. 
Um, Schmitz, I think, was huge for them. They need they needed a center, and this was not like a good center draft by any means. So to get one of them, one of the more legit prospects, um, they did fill a huge need and got good value in the process. So I thought that was a great pick. And then I'll spoil or just say my pick that I hated the most for them. I wanted the Eagles to get Jalen Hyatt. Uh, I actually had the Eagles taking Hyatt. And I admitted it was like kind of a reach in this activity, but the SB Nation NFL writers mock, uh, I took him at 30. If it was like a real mock, I would have, tr- or if I really wanted to do what I thought was the best thing, I would have traded down in that scenario. But for the sake of making articles, it's not really interesting to do that in a fake mock draft where I'm getting picks that aren't actually being made anyway. Um, so I took Hyatt there. I think he's going to be a problem for all these other NFC's teams to deal with in terms of his speed. I don't know about him as like, a, you know, like a volume target by any means. I think he has a ways to go as a route runner and all that kind of stuff. But as a guy who could kind of be like Deshaun Jackson-esque and annoying and creating big plays, uh, I think Jalen Hyatt is an annoyance and a nuisance that is being added to this division. He's the first Giants receiver since, tell me who, maybe Odell, that I've been like, okay, Yep. Got, got to pay some attention here. You know, like, mm-hmm. and, and I mean that, like, literally, and I'm saying there's a lot of attention paid to Jalen Hyatt, but like, the fact that any attention at all is paid, like, no offense to Sterling Shepard, never really been afraid. You know what I mean? Obviously, Kenny Galladay, whatever. Kadarius Tony didn't work out, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. Darius Slayton, like, th- those names never, like, I was never like, man, how they're going to stop, you know, whatever this week. But Jalen Hyatt is like, you could totally see him having like a three catch, 140 yard, you know, game, whatever that like hurts the Eagles or Cowboys or whatever. Um, I think that's fair. The class as a whole, I think is solid. It's methodical. They're headed in the right direction. It's a huge bummer. Um, but I disagree with you. So it means we're going to have to break a tie somehow. Cause I'm going to wow. write an article about this. Uh, the pick I'm most worried about or most bummed about whatever is John Michael Schmitz, because they did have that needed center, mm. right? Like I, you know, th- that's, you you can turn receivers into something like, I don't mean that it's easy, but you know, if you've got a great play caller, you've got a, a talented quarterback, right? Like things are a little bit less difficult in that sense, but like you can't turn dudes into good centers. And, you know, Brian Dable's a really bright offensive mind getting a center. Like, you know, if this feels like a, a cornerstone, right? Like this, this feels like, like a foundational element to what they're doing and what they're building. And they, they really like, that's been the, I guess, solace for us is like, they haven't had any real foundational pieces on offense. And I know it's only been a year, you know what I'm saying? Like everything has felt kind of like temporary to some degree. I know they got the, the contract done with Daniel Jones, but Saquon feels like a fleeting thing. Even the Paris Campbell thing never really like invoked fear. But this feels like this dude's going to be here for a little bit. That sucks. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I don't dislike that pick. I just think it's kind of hard to be too concerned about a center just because of the nature of the position. You know, it's like, oh, no, you're not like going into a game like scared of the other team's center, really. Wow. Um, Brandon Gatton says that Jason Kelsey is overrated. I mean, he's probably one of the few that you actually would be. Now we're walking it back. Interesting. Wow. <laughs> walking it back. Interesting. But but, all right. Do you go into an Eagles Cowboys game being like, I don't know, Jason Kelsey? Like, we're scared of that. I don't think. I think, yeah, I that. think that's why you draft players like Mozzie Smith to a degree because you have to attack the best, you know, intuitive offensive linemen in the NFL. Jason Kelsey's one of them. Like, what, what if John Michael Schmitz turns out to be one of those as well? Like, they're stabilizing a a, 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 a serious point of their offensive. I'm line. not talking against the pick. I like the pick a lot. I'm just saying, like, by yeah. nature of position, you know, you're more scared in general of a speedy wide receiver than you are an offensive lineman. But I think uh, this is a strong one, two, three between Banks, John Michael Schmitz, and Hyatt for the giant i think that's a really good start that helps them add to this foundation uh there are questions i guess if uh, like i've seen some eagle stands be like well it doesn't matter that they got jalen hyatt because danny dimes isn't going to be able to get the ball to him anyway like i don't really agree with that i feel like daniel jones does have a good arm or at least has the potential to um and i think he can make throws down the field to dan uh, to jalen hyatt so uh you know i think this is a a pretty solid good like a minus kind of draft for the giants it was a good draft um, I think that I should get the tiebreaker here and you should have the tiebreaker for the commanders. So John Michael Schmitz is the answer. Okay. I mean, I don't think we had to get. Okay, the cool. I win. Time. Awesome. The Washington commanders draft, uh, started with Emmanuel Forbes. Mm. Um, okay. They went back to back corners, taking Jartavius Martin next. They also took a center in Ricky Stromberg. Braden Daniels went to them. So did KJ Henry, Chris Rodriguez jr. And Andre Jones junior they did not draft a single tackle i'm not aware of any flexibility that Braden daniels has um mm-hmm. and notably they did not draft a single quarterback every time you know it was relevant on our live show i know we were saying like maybe this is the hendon hooker spot you know what i mean and that would have been 
that would have been annoying if they had done that, honestly. But like, this is, I felt, I feel like we kind of thought like, okay, maybe they're going to figure this out with the ownership sale. And maybe that happens. Like maybe there's, you know, maybe there's a future where they're not incompetent, but this, this draft was fine. Like I, I have a hard time picking a, a player or a pick I'm nervous about. The commanders are very much in a, you know, a lame duck stage. It's like, don't basically they, they're not allowed to make any big moves. Could you imagine like them, you know, dr- trading future draft picks? They can't like, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I know Josh Harris doesn't own the team yet, but I'm pretty sure like part of the, maybe the negotiations that are going on are like the team, basically you kind of have to stay in just like very. Like, yeah. You can't like, you can't impact the value. It's like when you, um when you have like your loan waiting to be approved on a house, mm-hmm. they're like, don't go buy a car, you know, right. <laughs> like, like don't, don't go damage your credit. Like that's kind of what this feels like. They're stuck in a holding pattern, right. if you will, basically. Like they're not allowed to make big aggressive moves right now. They kind of have to just uh sit and and stay with, with what's going on. With Forbes, I don't know, man. I heard a lot of stuff pre-draft. Um, he wasn't so much in the Eagles range. I didn't think they were gonna get him, so I didn't pay attention personally to him as much, but I listened to multiple pre-draft podcasts from like different people that were like he had a lot of interceptions, I think it was six last year. Like so many of those were just like the quarterback like putting the ball in his lap or like tip ball like it was it was a very inflated number from what i heard and then the other thing the knock on him 166 pounds rj that is zero zeroth zeroth percentile weight zero like that is like incredibly light it's not like oh he's smaller somewhat like people are like oh nolan smith's small okay like not to this extent for his position 166 pounds that is so so light like that's kind of crazy to me. Um, you could I, I see don't... him like 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 him being on the like the like viral meme moment that like Josh Norman was with Derrick Henry, right? Like you know, like that's like yeah. that that body weight is like how how you get tossed around in that sort of position. And I just don't I don't know. Like I like Banks more than him, so I think the Giants could, and that's going to be an interesting thing between the Giants and the Commanders here. It's the Giants are going to be like, oh, we got the better cornerback later than the Commanders did there at sixteen. Um, so I don't know. Uh, you know. Looking at the rest of their draft, um, Chase Roulier is coming off a big injury, so they obviously they want to have some more insurance there at center. But like all of these picks, except for the KJ Henry pick at 137, he was the 135th player on the consensus big board. All of these were bad value. You know, Forbes was taken at 16th; he was rated 36. Martin taken at 47, rated as 81st. Stromberg taken at 97, rated as 140th. Braden Daniels, 118th versus 142nd. And then you go down to Chris Rodriguez. He was 193, ranked at 210th. And then Andre Jones wasn't even ranked on their board. So not great. I would say the the pick that concerns me the most is just the highest rated prospect on their board. It's Emmanuel Forbes. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like that's if if you've got to pick one, like that's it. Like, you know, like it, that's the game. You have to pick one. I mean, I'm open to hear an argument, but I don't know that you can make one. Not that I doubt you, but you know. I think Chris Rodriguez stands out. I know people liked him for like he's he's kind of limited in what he can do. Uh, he doesn't have this diverse skill set as a running back, but what he does do, he does really well, and he's physical and he's downhill. And you put him in, a, I think, the right situation in the right role. And the Commanders' offensive line is not, I think, what it has been at times of its peaks but it's not terrible and i think you add him to a backfield that has brian robinson and uh dynamic weapon slash christian mccaffrey clone um curtis samuel i i like for for like the role that he could fit there i think he could kind of be a problem and an annoyance as a physical back um so i think that's an interesting pick for that. that's probably the pick i dislike the most for the Eagles sake, but the other guys, I can't really, it's, it's, it's kind of a easy pick for me. Cause I, I really can't say I'm scared of anyone else. I'll let you break the tie then. Chris Rodriguez jr. Is the pick. Congratulations to him. Um, okay. The draft has come and gone. And that means we've got to do other stuff. Like do our all NFC East team. Mm. Most overrated players well, in the NFC. East. We got the schedule under- coming out next week. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm building that. You know, what I'm saying like most underrated players in the NFC East. We've got to you know the schedule will come out a day after the mixtape next week. Uh, so we'll probably react to that. Maybe mm. we'll do some like schedule previewing things uh, next week on the mixtape. So, um, we'll see how that goes. But um, for now, I think it's time to probably leave. I don't know if you agree. Yeah. <laughs> Coming to risk it all, okay. Paul's birthday party. 
I won't. I'll be there virtually. Um, I'll send a virtual hug. Um, as we leave, Brandon, I would like you to say, I would like your thoughts on Michael Mayer's Chipotle Bowl. Did you see this floating around? Uh, I think I saw a friend of the podcast, I'll say, Trevor Sikima, uh, had got it. Um, it's right. What's it? I was going to um, get it if the Cowboys picked him and I was going to eat it on our show. It was white double white rice, rice du- double white rice, double <laughs> steak, and I think double beans. Sour cream, I think. And double sour cream. What are your I thoughts? mean, Where's the flavor? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's get a where's the flavor and then we'll end. Uh, Like a, a zesty where's the flavor? Where's the flavor?